0: Good morning, Mountain Park. Good morning. Good morning to those of you online. My name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to kick off a new series on patient. If you're here, and you, or if you're online, and if you have your journal, your Realize Your World journal, go ahead and open up that up to page 10, if you would. And when you came in, uh, you should have received a card that said prescription card on the top of a prescription. You can pull that out and slip that in right there on page 10. 10. If you don't have a journal, no worries. That card will walk you through everything we're going to talk about today. So grab a pen. There's some stuff for you to get to fill in. There's some pens in the the seat backs there in front of you if you didn't bring one. Uh, And if you don't have a journal, we, we encourage you to grab one. They're for sale five bucks out in our cafe after the service. They are Excuse me, they have uh, um, uh, daily scripture readings in there, they have group questions at the end of the week, great ways for you to connect with God, not only on Sundays, but during the week as well. And so if you go to page 10, you'll see on there, it says, nine essential roles, and and, and maybe you don't know what that means, so I just want to, to give you a little context. We here at Mountain Park, we believe that God is, right now, writing a grand epic story on the earth. It started with the creation of the world and it continues today. Right now, as we're sitting in this space, God is writing a story, a beautiful, amazing story. And and the amazing thing is that not only do we get to watch it, but he actually calls us to be a part of it, that he calls us to step into his story, that every single one of us on this earth has a role to play in his story, that we, you and I, are the means through which God wants to express his power, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his story on this earth. And that's what we're designed for. We're designed to play a role in his story. And some of those roles are unique to us and unique to a stage of life. Some of us are called to be pastors. Some are called to be husbands or moms or different roles, but some roles are so central to our identity, so central to how God designed us that they apply to everyone at any time, and we call these essential. They are essential roles that we are called to, and they're not activities to do, they're identities that we get to embrace and walk out. And so there's nine of them that we've identified, and I'm sure that you can guess that, and I've already mentioned, that that we are gonna be looking at the role of patient. How does that make you feel? Because when we talk about being patient, typically people don't get excited, right? Typically the, the idea of being patient doesn't, doesn't make us want to come to church, right? That's just part of how it is. But I, I, but I, but I believe that actually this role of patient is, is one of the most hopeful roles that there is. And it's absolutely foundational that, that our ability to embrace any of the other roles really starts with our willingness to embrace this role. And there's a statement that we use to sort of explain what it means to be a patient. And it's on the card. There's some blanks in the card. And because this role is so significant, we're going to read this statement every week. We're just going to talk this statement, share it every week. You can fill in your blanks this week. And it is a reminder so we get comfortable with our role as patients. So here it is. Here's what, what, what the statement is. You can fill in your blanks. We are broken. Trusting that Christ alone can make us whole, we freely admit our own brokenness and place our lives in his hands. I want us to read that together. Just read it together one time through. Ready? We are broken. Trusting that Christ alone can make us whole, we freely admit our own brokenness and place our lives in his hands. We're going to repeat this every week for the next few weeks and focus on this because it's... This is actually the whole reason that Jesus came. That the whole reason that Jesus came was to help sick people get better. There's a story of Jesus in the New Testament. It's in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it talks about how one day Jesus was hanging out with a bunch of no-good, troublemaking outcasts. And, and there was this other group of people who, who they thought they had their lives all put together and they worked really hard to make sure everybody else thought they had their lives put together. And they went to Jesus and they said, do you know who you're hanging out with? Why in the world would you hang out with those troublemakers, with those losers, with those outsiders? Do you know who you're hanging out with? And of course, Jesus knew exactly who he was hanging out with. And he responded to them. He says something so profound. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It is profound because Jesus says, hey, here's the deal. If you think you have everything put together... If, if you think you are humble enough, loving enough, kind enough, merciful enough, patient enough to walk through this life, to walk in this broken world on your own and love your neighbor as yourself and love your spouse and servant, you're, you're able to do that, then guess what? There's not gonna be much room in your life for me. There just isn't. You and I, we may say hi to each other, we may rub elbows, but there's not gonna be much room in your life for us to be really good friends. But if you're broken... And if you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know what, I I need something. I need healing, I need hope. Then guess what, you and I are gonna be best friends. Jesus says, if that's you, if you're in that space where you say, hey, pick me, Jesus, I, I could use a fresh start. I could use your love, your grace, your forgiveness. Jesus says, you and I, I'm gonna be all up in your grill. I'm gonna be in your life, in, through it, out it, before it, behind it. This is why someone like me, someone who is an atheist, who denied the existence of God, who equated Christians to Nazis, who lived my life however I wanted, following every impulsive desire, no matter what impact on other people it had, can stand up here as 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 a pastor of the best church in Phoenix. This is why someone like me who grew up immersed in pornography and, and used women as a way to make myself feel better, ended up somehow married to the most amazing woman ever, who did an awesome job last week, by the way. Because Jesus loves sick people. And he, he invites them to be patients. And it's a process, and I'm still in process. And he says, we're in, the, in this process of healing and making you well. And even though all this is true, I think we in America struggle with this role of patient. It's hard for us as Americans because we don't like to admit that we need help. We don't like to admit that we're sick. And I think there's a couple reasons, especially in church we have this problem because there's this perspective that church is the place where all the good people come to hang out with other good people so they can all talk about how good and perfect they are. Anybody ever have that impression of church? I know I did. It's hard to talk about brokenness when that's your impression of church. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe your impression of church that you've had is, is, is that church is a place where everybody goes to feel bad about themselves. That, that, that church is a place where someone gets up like this and points their fingers and yells and tells everyone how horrible they are and uses guilt and fear and shame to make you feel like maybe I could do better. I'll try really, really hard. And so the, the image, the idea then in that case of a, of a patient is, is someone who's just really down on themselves all the time. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. Nobody likes me. That's not the role of a patient. That may be the role of a sick person, but it's not the role of a patient. The role of a patient is actually one of the most hopeful ones that there is. Let me show you what I mean. On the back of that card that you came in, draw a line right down the middle. This is an exercise that I did with our staff recently, and I just wanted to do it with you a little bit. They took right a line down the middle of that, the back of that card, and on the left side, write the word sick, and on the right side, write the word patient. And what I did is, as I walked this through with our staff, I said, what do you think is the difference between someone who is sick, someone who is just sick, and someone who's a Patient. Someone who's just sick, maybe they don't even admit that they're sick. They're not getting help. They're not doing anything. They just, they have a disease of some kind and they are just sick. What's the difference between that person and someone who maybe has that exact same disease but on a pathway towards healing? What's the difference between those two people? I'll share with you some of the responses our staff came up, and you can certainly write your own. But here are some of theirs. They said, number one, a, a person who's just sick, well, they're not at their full potential. Right, When we're sick, when we've got some disease, we're not at our full potential, but someone who's a patient, who's on a path to healing, they're moving towards full potential. They also said, hey, someone who's just sick, they're contagious, and they they can infect other people because they don't admit that they're sick, but the person who's a patient who's on that path to healing, they, they take measures to protect other people from infecting others. A sick person can become isolated. They don't talk about their sickness. They don't share it with anyone. And so they sort of suffer on their own in silence. Even though they may have friends who care about them, if they don't share about their sickness, they can feel isolated. But a patient finds fellowship. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've seen it over and over again, that when someone starts talking about their sickness, when they start talking about depression, or they start talking about mental health, or they start talking about the cancer they've gone through, they meet someone somewhere along the way who's been through the same sickness. And do you know what happens? They become friends. Like I see this over and over again. I see this fellowship of the sick that happens where people bond in the midst of their sickness. Another thing the staff said is that a sick person is limited by their own knowledge plus Google, right? They're limited by those things. But the patient has the benefit of an expert. A sick person, generally, if they don't ever admit they're sick, they don't ever seek any healing. They, they just stay sick. And if whatever they have is really bad, then they may even get worse. But a, a patient, they get better. And, of course, all that means, that in the end, a, a sick person can feel helpless. And, and, a, and a patient has hope. I'm getting better. I'm moving forward. I've got something I'm looking forward to. And you know what else? is a patient, not only do they have hope, I've found that patients tend to give hope. They tend to be the ones who say, I've been through this. Let me help you. You can see the difference between just being sick and being a patient. Do you see how being a patient can be one of the most hopeful things that, we're in, that there is? It's an important thing. And, and, and here's the thing. Which one do you want to be? Because you get to choose. Choose. You you don't get to choose whether or not you're sick, sorry to tell you, but you've probably experienced that already in the midst of COVID-19. We didn't choose COVID-19, it just happened. And the same thing is true with us spiritually, morally, emotionally. We're just sick. We all have sickness inside of us. We know that because we see it in everybody around us. Right? We see the unwise choices they make. We see the way they hurt, hurt us and hurt other people we, that we love. And then if we're really, really honest, then we say, oh, it's also true about me. And we know that we're, that we're all sick. We don't, we don't get to choose whether or not we're sick, but we do get to choose whether or not we're a patient. We get to choose whether or not to pursue healing. So being a patient is not about being an Eeyore. Nobody likes me. I'll eat the thistles. Okay? It's about having hope, knowing that we are loved by God just as we are, that he can handle the deepest depths of our sickness, and we don't need to pretend. So we here at Mountain Park, we are patients. We don't want to infect people. We we don't want to be isolated we don't want to rely on ourselves. We had freely admit our brokenness and trust in Jesus, trust in the great physician to make us whole. And this is part of our legacy. If you hang around here long enough, you're going to meet someone who's going to say to you, I'm just a knucklehead who crawled into this church X amount of years ago, and God's been putting me back together ever since. How many of you have met someone like that at our church already? That's, that's part of who we are as a, mount, as, as a church. We know that we come in here broken and we're on this process of healing. So what I wanna look at today specifically, we're gonna look at this over the next, we I wanna look at today specifically is, is the first step of becoming a patient. The first step of really embracing that role. And we're going to look at a a verse in the book of the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible here, open it up to Jeremiah. How many of you have read the book of Jeremiah in the past week? Oh, some of you. Excellent. How many of you have read the whole book of Jeremiah? You tried? Awesome. Uh, Some of the people in one of the 12, maybe have read it. Um, But we're going to look at a verse there in chapter four. Before we do, I want to pray. Lord, we we thank you that you are here and and we know that you've never stopped being here, that you've always been here, but we take a moment to acknowledge that we are patients, even right now. God, we acknowledge right now that we have stuff inside of us that needs to be healed and made whole. And so we come to you now and I come to you as your servant and say, Jesus, would you speak? Would you lead? Would you guide would you heal and would you make whole as only you can so that we might praise you and love you more and bring hope to others. It's in your name we pray, amen. So the book of Jeremiah is a book by a prophet named Jeremiah. <clears throat> who uh, had a job, his job was to take, the main role of prophet was to take a message from God to uh, a, an individual or a group of people. And a lot of people think of prophecy as, as telling the future, but really all it was was just saying, hey, here's what God wants you to know. And sometimes it was about that particular person or that particular group of people. And Jeremiah was called to a group of people called Judah. And and Judah was one half of the Jewish nation. They they were sort of now, they had they had been one nation and then they were separated from the nation of Israel and they were sort of, they were They were were together, but they were sort of against each other at times as well. And uh, Israel, because they disobeyed God, they get taken into captivity, and the people of Judah think, Look at them. And the people of Judah think, Hey, we're okay. We didn't go into captivity. So God must think that we're really, really awesome. And and God sends Jeremiah to help the, the people of Judah know that they are sick and that he wants them to become patients and he wants to move them towards healing. And so Jeremiah goes, and this is what he says. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, circumcision was a sign at that time for the Jewish people. It was a sign of a covenant with God. It was a way to say, I belong to God and God belongs to me. I am committed to God and God is committed to me. It's this mutual devotion to one another. And so what he he was saying was, hey, God wants your hearts to be fully devoted to God. He wants you to cut all that stuff away and to be fully devoted to God. And in order to do that, there are some things in the ground of your heart some stuff in there that you have to dig up. You're gonna to have to dig that stuff up. You're gonna to have to break it up in order to become fully devoted to God. This is the first step. The first step to being a patient is to deal with what's in all, already in your heart. It's to break up the unplowed ground of our hearts. And there's two big things I want to highlight here. One is, is this idea that um, sowing good seed is fruitless if the ground is unplowed. It does not matter what you plant in your heart if the ground isn't plowed. And, and so that's why it says, don't plant among thorns. You can't grow anything of value in any quantity on unplowed ground. And this is important because sometimes we think our problem is intake. We think, I just need more Christian stuff in my life. And so we just want to add. So I'm going to go to church and and, and I want to to add Christian music and Christian t-shirts and Christian TV shows and Christian friends and Christian movies and Christian posters on my wall and Christian hairstyles and everything else. And, and, And maybe if I can get enough Christian stuff in my life, then I will be better. And look, all that stuff is good. I'm not knocking all of that stuff. But, but if we don't dig up the other things in our lives that are taking priority, if we don't admit then there is deep-rooted brokenness and insecurity in us, then we are sowing on unplowed ground and nothing's going to grow. See, our fruitfulness, our spiritual health, our personal growth is not only dependent upon what we take in, but on what we root out. We have to do both. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the sower. How many of you are familiar with this parable? He talks about how the word of God is like seed and the seed gets scattered and he talks about four different kinds of soil that it, gets, that it lands on and two he refers to as one with rocks in it and another one he refers to as one with weeds in it. And he says, "If you, the, the, the seed that's planted on the rocks, on, on the soil with all the rocks, it goes down and it shoots up at first, but then the sun comes and it withers." And then he says, the, "The seed on the weeds, it grows up next to the weed, it grows up, and then it gets choked out." See, unplowed ground doesn't prevent us from going to church. It doesn't prevent us from hearing the word of God. It doesn't prevent us from saying, okay, I accept that that's true. It just prevents it from actually bearing fruit in our lives. It prevents us from actually changing and applying and allowing God to work in our lives. Unplowed ground doesn't say, I don't need Jesus. It just doesn't make room for Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It doesn't make room to serve Jesus to go to Honduras. It doesn't make room to serve in a ministry at the church. It doesn't make room to read the Bible or to pray. It doesn't make room to give generously or to join a small group or to really change how I love my wife or how I parent my kids. I can come to church and I can say, I agree with that, I agree with that, I agree with that, but all of the other priorities in my life present that from actually becoming fruitful. Growth primarily does not happen when you're sitting in a church service. When you're sitting in a church service, you get a seed. And what that seed does depends on the ground of your heart. Growth happens when we say, I have selfishness in here. I've got, I've got pride in here. I've got fear in here. I've got perfectionism in here. I've got materialism in here. I've got laziness in here. So God, I'm coming to church because I'm ready to change. I'm ready to be your patient. So if you're not experiencing growth, if you're not experiencing the freedom from sin, the the, the joy, the love that Jesus offers us, maybe the simple question you have to ask is what's already in your heart? And when's the last time you did something different because of what Jesus taught? When's the last time you did something different because of what Jesus taught and who Jesus is. And if you can't point to something in the past week that you've done differently because of Jesus taught and who Jesus is, maybe you've got unplowed ground. Maybe you've got other stuff that is so much of a priority for you, you're not willing to make room for the seed. Second thing is that um, breaking up ground is hard work. My wife and I, we lived in South Carolina, and we decided to put a playground in our backyard. It was actually given to us, which was great, which was great, except for the fact that our backyard had tons of rocks and tree roots and was hard soil, so we spent hours and days taking pickaxes and hoes and shovels and whacking at that stuff, and it is hard work. And we have to do it. Do it. Notice it says, you break up your unplowed ground. Now, God will help us. He'll show us where to dig. He'll give us strength. But we have to be willing. We got to pick up the tool and we got to swing it. And it's not hard in the sense that we have to muscle through it. Breaking up unplowed ground is hard because it requires vulnerability. Because it requires us to share the embarrassing things of our life to be honest about the shameful things in our life, to be honest that there are people in our past that if we saw them today, the only thing we could really say to them is, I'm sorry, I I was wrong to admit that we get stuck in the cycle of perfectionism, we, we struggle to, to where we, we, we go back and forth between feeling guilt and shame over our, our perfections and, and feeling selfish pride in our achievements. It's admitting that the worst parts of ourselves, and that is hard work, but it's also worth it. It is 100% worth it because here's the thing about being a patient. When we do this, not only does does God bear fruit in our lives and we experience freedom and and love and we begin to change and healing and wholeness, but our impact on other people actually multiplies. That when when we're vulnerable, when we're honest about us, actually God uses our vulnerability to impact others. We do this thing called Marriage Mondays. How many of you feel familiar with Marriage Mondays? pretty awesome. So Marriage Mondays, uh, one of the things we do at the end of each session is we give a survey to people who come and we say, hey, what were some of the parts that worked? What were some of the parts that didn't work? We do it because we know we're not perfect and we want to continue to grow. And, and, and every, every semester, every semester, do you know what one of the most meaningful things is? that, that people, One of the things that people identify as the most meaningful is? Testimonies that we have couples who stand up literally in front of a bunch of people and say, our marriage was broken. We have people who stand up there and they, they, te- they, they share their brokenness. They talk about how they had affairs. They talk about a time of sexlessness their, par- their marriage went through. They talk about the, the anger that, that was ruining their marriage. They talk about their communication problems. And a lot of times, they're still working on them. They just share vulnerably and in reality what their own brokenness and what God is doing with that brokenness. And God does amazing things through them. And it's meaning because, because when we're honest and vulnerable, God multiplies our impact. We see this in the Bible that some of the most important people, some of the people who, did, who had the most impact for God's kingdom, were people who knew, knew their own brokenness. You think about a guy named King David who is the iconic king of Israel, and in Psalm 51, three, he says, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. As he was sitting as king of Israel, I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Do you know your sin? Can you name it right now? Are, Are you conscious of the brokenness? Not that you're run by it, not that you're ruled by it, but you're conscious enough to say, I want to be healed from that, and I'm not going to give in to it. It Paul, who wrote a, a ton of the epistles and a big part of our New Testament, who planted churches and God did amazing things through in 1 Timothy 1:15, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he doesn't say that's everybody else. He says, Of whom I am the worst. My brokenness is before me. Even now, I'm aware of this. Peter, who was one of the the primary disciples of Jesus, and Jesus leaned on him to lead the church, help lead the church moving forward. When Simon meets Jesus and he he realizes who Jesus is in Luke 5, verse 8, Peter says this. It says, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man The people who God uses the most are the people who know they're broken. Now, most of us are willing to admit we're sick. I think most of us, if we were honest, maybe not here in front of everybody else, but somewhere along the way, you're going to say, okay, I've got some issues. But I think our issue is that we don't quite go deep enough. We don't just realize how sick we really are. We trust ourselves a little too much. And I think there's four things Four things that keep us from really embracing the death, from living as a patient every second, every moment of our lives. The first one is shame. The idea that if I admit my sin, it makes me worthless. And if I admit I'm sick, if I admit how broken I am, that means that I'm, I'm not worthy of love. But here's the thing. How does God feel about sinners? Sinners. There's this verse in Romans 5.8 that says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still denying Christ, while we were still sick, before we ever realized we were a patient, Christ died for us. God loves sinners. Jesus welcomes the sick. So our sin does not make us any more valuable to God. He died for us while we were embracing it. The second one is fear. This is Peter's response. Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter was afraid. And then Jesus addresses it in the following verses, verse 10 to 11. He says, don't be afraid, Peter. Don't be afraid. Peter says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I will make you fisher, a fisher of men. And isn't it interesting that Jesus focuses on his future? That what Peter is saying is, hey, my past sin, my sickness, that defines who I am, so go away. And Jesus says, that doesn't define you. What defines you is who I'm going to make you become, who you're going to become, who I'm going to heal you to be in the wholeness I'm going to produce in you. So we're not defined by those. We don't need to be afraid that we're going to be defined by our past. We don't need to be afraid they're going to be stuck in our past because Jesus can make us new, make us into something we aren't. The third thing is our own righteousness. Our own righteousness. This might be called pride. This is what the Pharisees dealt with. In Matthew 23 24, Jesus says Woe to you, teachers of the law, you who know all the Bible verses. And Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices. You do great at that. You give mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You're doing the low-hanging fruit. And in focusing on that low-hanging fruit, you're neglecting the deeper things in your heart. Are you really merciful? Are you really compassionate? Are you really forgiving? And the last one is tricky. This is, this is tricky. And it makes me hesitant to say it in church, but I'm gonna say it anyways. The last one is um, our commitment to Jesus. Our commitment to Jesus can hinder us embracing the role of patient. And let me explain why that is. In Luke twenty-two thirty-three, 33, uh, Jesus is talking about how he's, he's gonna die. And Peter stands up and he says this, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. He says, Jesus, I'm gonna die for you. I am committed to you. I'm 100% committed to you. And if you know the story, Jesus says, you know what, Peter, you're gonna deny that you even know me. And, and after that, Peter says, no, I'm never gonna do that. I'm gonna follow you. See, our com- and of course, we know that, Jesus, that Peter ends up saying, hey, I, I, I don't even know who Jesus is. And he denies Jesus. Jesus. Our commitment to Jesus does not take away our brokenness automatically. We never stop being patients. ever. We never, ever stop being patient. Peter was blind to his own brokenness because he was so convinced in his commitment to Jesus. He missed it, he was blind to it, and we can be blind as well. That's why we need people just like Jesus who will say to us, no, 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 no. Here's this that you maybe don't see in yourself. And why we need to learn to listen to this. Because those things can keep us from really unearthing the sludge that's in our own heart. So how do we do this? How do we actually embrace a role as patient? So if you look at that card you got as you came in, there's, there's three things on there. The first one is this patient statement. So this week, I want to encourage you. And we're going to do this each week, this prescription card. It's going to have different things each week, ways for you to embrace your role as a patient. The first one is just that statement. Just every day, look at that statement. Just say it to yourself. Get used to admitting, hey, I'm broken. I freely admit that brokenness and I trust Jesus. The second thing is, again, what's on there, choose to be a patient. Choose, to say, hey, I'm going I'm to seek God's healing. I'm going to admit it. And the third one, which is blank on your card right now, you get to write this in. Break up your unplowed ground. That's the third one. Break up your unplowed ground. Break it up. Ask God to identify a brokenness that you're hiding, a brokenness you're ashamed to admit, a brokenness you're afraid of, a brokenness you haven't addressed because you've been blind to it. Ask God to reveal that to you and begin to work with him to pull it out. And when you do this, when you do this work, it'll change your life. Being a patient, moving from sick to patient will change your life because being a patient means that when my wife makes a comment that hurts my feelings, Instead of getting mad at her, I can look at myself and say, what's what's in me that's causing me to get angry? What hurt is there? What do I need to address? Being a patient means coming to church and saying, okay, I'm ready, God, teach me. I'm gonna make room in my life for whatever is being taught. Being a patient means looking at my sickness and saying, I refuse, refuse to let you run my life. You are not the boss of me. Whatever that brokenness is, it doesn't get to be in charge anymore. Being a sick means no matter how bad your sickness is, you have hope because the king of the universe is your doctor. Being a patient means you don't have to pretend anymore. You can give your unplowed ground to Jesus. So I wanna ask you, Are you ready to be a patient? Because it's it's time. It's time to give up on trying to just add Jesus to our unplowed ground. It's time to fully embrace our sickness, to fully admit it, and allow him full access to everything in our hearts. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to to, to close your eyes. A band's going to come out here in a minute and and play a song to close us out. But just close your eyes for a second. And if, 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 you're, if you're ready to just em- embrace your role as a patient, you're, you're, you're just ready to just say, okay, I admit that I'm broken and I'm ready to be a patient of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm just ready. I, I don't even know what all that means. I don't, and, and, and I'm gonna come back next week maybe because maybe someone will tell me more about how to apply that. But, but right now, I'm just ready to give my, 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 my brokenness would you just raise your hand? Keep your hand up for just just a second. And I just want you to know again with your eyes closed. I'm proud of you. And Jesus is smiling and rejoicing at your hands raised saying I can do something with that. You can put your hands down, let me pray. God, thank you that we are patients, that we are not just sick that we are not hopeless, that we we don't have to worry about being left by the side of the road, succumbing to our illnesses, but that there is a great, powerful, loving, gracious, holy God who came to earth as a man who says, I love you just as you are. Come bring me your sickness and I will make you well. So we surrender to you and we ask for you to work in us And we pray that you bring us back tonight ready to worship you as the great physician, worship you as patients who are open and honest. Let us experience that freedom. It's in your name we pray, amen.